Oh 
would speak and communicate personally each one of us. Not only may your presence be sensed, but may your voice be heard. That we might hear the word of the Lord. That we might respond and believe and embrace the word of life. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the cross of Calvary. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done and all you've given us. We praise you with all that is within us. And we thank you for your presence that fills your sanctuary. We thank you for your presence that ministers grace and strength and comfort to the hearts and the minds of your people. Now, Lord, I pray by your spirit, continue to speak to us. Continue to minister to each one. And we'll give you praise and we'll give you a response of faith in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's give the Lord a hand clap. He's worthy. He's wonderful. We love him. We're grateful. We're thankful. We honor him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. the timing of the Lord. He requires that we trust Him, that we continue to walk with Him, even when at times we don't understand His timetable and the way He's working things out. But faith knows for them that love God and are walking with God that He will work things out. And He requires of us simply to keep trusting, to keep believing, and to keep walking. And in his good time, his perfect time, he will unveil it, he will fulfill it, he will bring it to pass. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Mothers, we love you. We thank God for you. We thank God for all our ladies of faith. So many that are so faithful here at Pleasant Grove, your prayers, your efforts, your, your works of faith that inspire us and uphold us. We love you, and we thank God for you. Now, children, you are dismissed.
the children's church. Amen. And everyone else, if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Hey, buddy. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Take a look at what we got here. I'd like to see who you're shooting at. Amen. 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 No, I'm only kidding. Acts 16. I want to talk about lessons from Lydia. Lessons from Lydia, this woman of faith. And we want to glean some things from her life that ought to inspire us, give us things to imitate if we want to have such a life of influence and bring a godly blessing like she was. We're going to look at this story behind the story. If you would, Acts 16. And begin with verse 6, Acts 16. And begin with verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And then when they tried, they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go there. So they passed by Mysia, went down to Troas, and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and pleading and begging with them, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and we sailed, and the next day we went on to Neapolis, and from there we traveled to Philippi a Roman colony, a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Now, verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to a group of women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth, and she was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. I want to talk about lessons from Lydia. Lessons from Lydia. Father, we thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning. We thank you for this lovely group of people that have come out to worship you, to honor you honor their mothers. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for sensing of your presence as we worship you. But now, Lord, speak to us. You know each need. You know every individual, every specific. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Help us to understand and grasp the word. Let it work mightily in each life. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Lessons from Lydia. Our subject this morning is really finding out what attracts God, what attracts God. What causes God to draw near to a person? What brings a greater measure of the smile, of the presence, of the favor, of the blessing of the Lord upon our lives? We can learn much from this woman of faith by the name of Lydia. You know, in the natural, there are certain fragrances, certain attitudes, personalities that that attract us, that bring... um, a pleasant drawing, a pleasing effect. Lydia had that kind of spirit that drew the presence of God into her life. She didn't have to holler like blind Bartimaeus did to get the Lord's attention. She didn't have to press through the crowd and 
fight off the multitude to touch the hem of his garment like that woman with the issue of blood. In fact, in her life, Lydia, the blessing found her. The blessing came to her. And we ask ourselves this morning, what was it that made her so attractive? This morning, I want you, number one, to know that there are things that we can do to increase the presence of God in our lives, to attract God's attention, to attract the Lord into our lives and into our efforts. And I want you to feel this morning the joy of Lydia's heart, the joy of salvation. Never forget how or fail to appreciate how God opened up your heart one day, how God considered you his very own one day and took you into his family. I want you to know and I want you to feel and I want you to do and practice these five things and make them part of your life so you can enjoy a greater measure of the presence and the intimacy of the Lord and that your life can bring greater blessing to your world. Lydia was a great blessing. God honored her. God used her. She had a powerful effect and influence upon her family, upon her co-workers, and upon the first church that was ever built in Europe. Now, first, a little background. In verses 6 and 12. Now, this is Paul's second missionary journey. It'd be good for us to just get a little, little teaching instruction here as we go on. Second missionary journey. And it starts out, if you know the story, it starts out, of all things, it starts out with contention. Contention. At the end of chapter 15, these two respected, revered, and honored apostles... Paul and Barnabas get in a disagreement about who to take on the next missionary journey. Now, Paul didn't think it smart to take Mark, because he had bailed on them in their first journey. He'd gotten cold feet, homesick, whatever it was. He left them. And Paul says, forget him. Let him grow up a little bit. He's not ready yet. But Barnabas, well, he was a relative, and Barnabas always had that heart of the encourager. He said, no, let's take him and give the kid a second chance. And the Bible tells us that the conflict got so sharp that they split up. Such a sharp disagreement that the apostles parted company. Paul took upon him a guy by the name of Silas. You might have heard of him. And then Barnabas took along Mark to help the young kid grow up and prove himself once again. We see from the very beginning of our story that God still rules and God even overrules even in the midst of our frailties and our mistakes and our disappointments. Can you say amen? We, we see in our story to begin with that as a result of, of these two men that should have known better, as a result, God worked even in the flaws of his people. And we see that two teams were created. Two cities were touched. Silas was discipled and Mark was restored. And we see later on in life where God chose him to write that gospel, the gospel of Mark. It's a beautiful thing to be restored. Amen. You might have drifted from God, but you can be restored. You might be a long ways from where you once were with Jesus, but God is full of mercy and grace, and you can be restored if you respond to the hand of the brethren and get back in and let God do his work. Somebody say amen. amen. It's good to know that God can use even human conflict and disagreements to work for his good and advance his kingdom. Contention, but then we see a strengthening. Because again, in verses 1 through 5, Timothy joins the team. Timothy now, Timothy, as you know, had a very special relationship, very special ministry with the Apostle Paul. Paul became a father. Timothy became a son. And even today in ministry, it's proverbial to call someone, my Timothy, when an older gentleman disciples a young man, when a young man becomes like his armor bearer and treats him as a father in the faith. 
And so here we see not only contention, but strengthening. As young Timothy that we're going to read a lot about, who one day will take that baton from Paul and carry it on in leadership, Timothy comes in on the scene. And then lastly, contention, strengthening. And then there's disappointment. There's disappointment. We read in our text how God closed doors and God frustrated the navigation. Frustrations and navigations can really get you going. Now, it's both interesting and it's also encouraging to know that even great apostles like Paul at times struggle to find the will of God. And again, if you don't struggle at times to really know the will of God, you're not trying. I'll tell you that much right now. I mean, some things are easy. Thou shalt not so simple. Thou shalt not means? A little slow, but you got there. Amen. I mean, those are, amen, God says thou shalt not. You don't need Greek, Hebrew, Spanish, or Italian. Thou shalt not means thou shalt not. But not everything's that clear. How about that? And I, I get encouraged to know that even generals like Paul at times had a struggle to find and pray through and trial and error. Because I've been there more times than I'd like to admit. So I feel a little better to know that even mighty apostles like Paul at times had a little bit of trouble figuring out where God wanted them to go and what God wanted them to do. That encourages me to keep on trying. We see in our story that Paul was stopped not once but twice. God closed the doors twice. You know, God not only orders our steps, he orders our stops. Say that again. He not only orders our steps, he orders our stops. It is a form of negative guidance, true, but when it's God, it's good. How many know that? Closed doors are good when it's God. Amen? For it means that God is keeping us from a place that he has not chosen for us. And he's directing us to the place he has prepared. Here's some simple lessons we get just from the introduction part. Number one, remember these things. God will use the very things that disappoint us to increase his work in us if we let him. God will use even the frustrating things. He'll use the things that disappoint us to actually increase us, to mature us, to develop. If we let him, if we approach life as being teachable, pliable, and yielded to God, if we accept the timings of the Lord, accept the directions of the Lord, then we can benefit from all things as God works in our lives. Secondly, recognize that God will close doors that we might want open without giving us all the reasons behind it. Have you ever been there? Sure, the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. We've got to learn to accept that. I had to find out, you know, when very young, God's not going to tell you everything. And sometimes it's just tough on you. Amen. You just got to trust God that he's God. We're not. And keep loving him and walking him and going onward. Come on, say amen. amen. There's a lot of things. I don't know why that happened. And God says, don't stress over it. It's not meant for you to know. Just walk on loving me and grab hold of what you do know. Amen. We found out that God's timing is just as important as God's will. You know, later on in Paul's life, he'll get to those places and minister. He'll affect those areas. But they weren't ready yet for him or he wasn't ready for them. Either way, it wasn't the right time. And we have to learn that God's timing is just as important as God's will. You walk with God. Many times God will put things in your heart. God will show you things. It might be years to experience them till you embrace them. And you can't try to rush the thing. Things have a timing. Amen. Don't push it month three. You get away to month nine. Amen. There, there's a timing in life. There's seasons in life. When we walk with God, we've got to learn his timing is just as important 
is God's will. Number four, God will close immediate doors. He'll close immediate doors before us to open even greater doors that we didn't see or we couldn't see. That's called walking by faith, folks. Walking by faith. Amen? Not walking by my own understanding. I'm leaning not on my own understanding. Amen? But as I trust God and walk with God, he's working things behind the scenes. He's doing things I couldn't imagine he would do. But when God's in it, all things are going to work together for good. Amen? And lastly, let's remember this, and it's, 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 it's true. God will break our hearts temporarily. God will disappoint us temporarily to protect us and shelter us permanently. Again, God sees the big picture. God knows all things. He knows what might be, what could be, what shall be. He knows potential future results. God knows what's best for his people. And sometimes you and I just have to realize, if you've walked with God for any amount of time, We can all look back now and say, Lord, I thank you for that door that was shut, the disappointment that came. I wanted it. I moaned about it when you didn't give it to me. But now looking back, having the sight I didn't have back then, Father, I want to thank you for the no. I want to thank you for the closed door. I want to thank you for the heartache then, but it would have been much more now. Blessed be his name. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, Paul's second missionary journey begins with contention then strengthening, disappointment, but ultimately it ends in victory because this 16th chapter of Acts is a chapter of victory. God opens the way. God opens Lydia's heart. He sets a young girl demon-possessed free, and then he opens prison doors and releases his servants. He saves the jailer and his entire family, and then God plants this precious church, the first church in all of Europe. It's good to know that for the child of God, ultimately there is victory for each one that loves the Lord and walks with the Lord. It's been promised, it's been purchased, it's been secured, and it's been settled by Jesus Christ. Greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. He that began the good work, he's going to finish that good work. So if you're a child of God, don't moan, stop groaning, give him praise right where you are, get the joy of the Lord. Victory, victory, victory is ordained for every child of God is we're with him. Can you say amen? Amen. amen? And we notice here, and let us not forget that God had a purpose for every closed door and every disappointment that Paul had to endure here. They actually positioned Paul and directed Paul. And God used all those things for his ultimate glory. And friend, God will do the same thing for you if you'll just keep walking with him. If you'll just keep receiving and accepting his guidance without grumbling or complaining, but just keep trusting him and keep loving him. Even when you can't understand him, you can love him. Even when you can't figure out why, you can still praise him. And if you do, God will work all things together. And you might not see it for 20 years, but one day you'll stand back and look and say, Father, I thank you for your hand that led me every step of the way. Now to Lydia, this woman of faith this lady of godly influence, Paul receives a vision of a Macedonian man um, calling and pleading with them, come and help us, preach the gospel to us. They receive that as God's direction and they take off. Now, Philippi was named after Alex, Alexander the Great's dad, Philip of Macedonia. It was a leading city. It was a um, Roman colony. 
It was a very prominent city. It was the gateway to Europe. And the first converts in Europe are Lydia and her household. This was the official opening of Europe to the gospel. And we thank God that Paul obeyed the Macedonian call. And I pray that each one of us will obey the Macedonian call that God gives us. That when God calls us, we'll say, yes, Lord. When God opens up a door of opportunity for us to minister, we won't say, I'm too busy, Lord, or, or give me something else, Lord. We'll say, yes, Lord, and we'll allow God to use us. If we'll just give God ourselves, he'll take care of the rest. If we'll just be a yielded vessel, if we'll give him the availability, he'll give us all the ability that we need. Can you say amen? That's all he's saying, just, just yield and let me use. And that's how things work. So again, I want us to note this morning five things from this woman of God. Five things from Lydia that attracted or increased the presence of God in her life. I want a greater measure of God's presence in my life. I want a greater measure of God's blessing upon my life. I want to have a powerful influence in in my world. Amen? I want to be able to influence those around me for godliness and holiness and for the glory of God. So number one, verse 13, God honors. God is attracted to a praying spirit. To a praying spirit. We see in verse um, 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. They were going to a place of prayer. And they sat down. They found Lydia, a woman of prayer. They began to see a group of women that had gathered. You needed about 10 men to start a synagogue. So there was very little Jewish uh, population there in Philippi at the time. Because they didn't even have 10 men for a synagogue. So the next place you were allowed to do is go down by the rivers. And that's where they'd have prayers and they would discuss the things of God. And so Lydia's down there praying. And this is where we find the presence of God drawing near. Paul doesn't find a Macedonian man, but a group of praying women. And we thank God throughout church history for all the praying women that God has raised up. Can you say amen? I know I had a praying mother. I still have a praying mother. And I thank God for that. And I thank God you cannot substitute anything for a praying mother. I'll tell you that much. Amen? Um, we'll never know till we get to glory. The answers to prayer, the demons that were defended off, and all the good things that came as of mother's prayers and faithfulness and seeking God. And the presence of God is attracted to a praying spirit. You see, we've got to recognize something. In, in, this, in this, this Laodicean age in which we live, this uh, seeker-friendly that we live, we, we, we try to think that God's going to treat everyone the same. God don't treat everyone the same. God is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of principles. And if we'll walk with God and obey God, we get a greater measure of God's blessing. If we disobey and disregard, well, we get that other result. So let's not, we, we're not get on track here. It's very important, if you want the presence of God in your life, that you become a person of prayer. Because God honors those that seek him. God gives a special attention and a special listening ear to those that will cry out and trust him. So we find out here that Lydia was a woman of prayer. And that's the type of person that gets God's attention. That that prayer attracts the presence of God. Prayer brings the smile of God. Prayer awakens the ear of heaven to a person. In fact, 1 Peter 3 and 12, how did Peter say it? For, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayers. I like that. He, he's saying, you know what? In a special way, God is watching over those that seek him. And God is attending and listening to those that call on him. It's a beautiful thing that God is, finds a praying spirit attractive. 
that God gives that person special attention and draws near. His eyes are on the righteous and his ears are very attentive. They pay attention. They're alert. They perk up to the one that seeks him and calls on him. How did David say it in Psalm 34? This poor man, this needy man, he called and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all his fears and all his troubles. We find a principle in God's word. Don't, don't just wait for the tires to fall off. Don't, don't just wait for the, the, the tragedy to come. Make your habit a habit of seeking the Lord. Be a woman of prayer. Be someone that wakes up and seeks the Lord early. Will I seek thee and bring every burden and bring every care? And express every praise and every thanksgiving. Sincere prayer touches the heart of God and moves the hand of God. Sincere prayer expresses a hunger for God. A humility before God. A confidence in God. And those are things that touch the heart of God. That release the working of God. Those are things that attract and draw the very real presence and power of God. Into lives and into situations. James said it like this, James 4 and 8, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. He'll respond to you. He'll give special attention and care to you. Why? Because you seek Him. Because you call on Him. Because you're exhibiting and expressing your trust in Him when you do. Jeremiah, that old prophet, said it like this, when you seek me and when you search for me with all your heart, I will, I will be found by you. God says, you can find me and I will respond and I will reward him who diligently seeks me. God honors a praying man or a praying woman. God gives a special attention to those that seek him. The word of God gives us so many examples. Let me just give you one quickly. From that Old Testament book of 2 Kings, chapter 20, there's a godly king by the name of King Hezekiah. The Bible says that Hezekiah became ill, deathly ill. He was ill unto death at the point of death. And in comes the prophet. Now Isaiah comes in and he is a mighty prophet. He is a very revered and recognized prophet. And he simply comes in and says, Thus saith the Lord, get your house in order. You're going to die. You're not going to live. You know, most of the time you come in to see the king. God saved the king, not this prophet. <laughs> he said, God's going to take the king. King, get it right because you're going quick. And you know, the king could have accepted that. Hezekiah could have said, well. But he didn't, did he? Somebody knows the story. Hey, what did he do? Oh, yeah, King Hezekiah. The Bible says he turned. The prophet left. The prophets don't have to mince words, do they? Boom. Thus saith the Lord, get your house in order. Your days are numbered. You're going to die. Out he goes. He didn't stay for tea. He didn't stay for crumpets. He is out. Now Hezekiah could have got bitter. Hezekiah just could have gotten all despair. But the Bible says instead he turned his face to the wall. And this godly king began to pray. In fact, he wept and he cried and he cried out and he called on the Lord. One of my mentors would preach from this text and the title was How to Reverse a Prophecy. That was a good one. And he'd preach how prayer can and prayer will turn it around. Amen? Woo, I like that. And that's what happened. He got God's attention. For the Bible says that that Isaiah the prophet was not even out of the middle court. And God speaks to him and stops him in his tracks. Prophet, about face. Get back in there. 
And we hear these beautiful words. He says, go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, I have heard your prayers and I have seen your tears and I will heal you. Somebody hear the word of the Lord this morning. I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears and I will heal you and work in your life. The prophet went on to say, God will add 15 years to your life, King, because you prayed. God will come and God will defend this city for his name's sake. He'll deliver them from his enemies. Somebody hear you the word of the Lord. This man of God, this king, this godly king received a bad report. It didn't come from a fly-by-night. It came from a genuine prophet of God. God had decreed you're going to die from your illness. You're not going to live. But because he chose to pray, not give up, not throw up his hands in bitterness or despair, but seek the Lord and weep humbly before God. The heart of God was touched. God's heart is always touched when we choose to seek him sincerely and faithfully. When we humble ourselves and draw near, come boldly before the throne of God's grace and reach out to the one that hears your cry and has the power to turn your situation around. He got God's attention. He turned things around. Why? Because he prayed. He didn't He didn't run here. He didn't get him a gossip column. Forget it. He sought the Lord. And God was moved and the arm of the Lord was released. And the prophecy was reversed. You know, if you don't know Christ, whoo, pull it back, son. It's Mother's Day. Pull it back. You don't know Christ, there's a bad prophecy over your life. You're living like the devil. There's a bad prophecy over your life. But you can turn it around by getting things right with God. You don't have to let that thing run its course. You can turn it around. How? By turning to God. By calling on God. Am I preaching it or what? Oh, reverse that prophecy. I was once on my way to hell, but Christ came, and I called on him, reversed that prophecy. Many of you know what I'm talking about. You were doing your own thing, living crazy. But when the grace of God came, you turned it around, and you reversed that prophecy. Oh, aren't you glad you can reverse it? Oh, there's mercy and grace to reverse it. Well, you got to respond, and you got to come. Glory be to God. So number one, we see that Lydia... She shows us that God finds a praying spirit attractive. He's drawn in a special way to those that would seek him and commune with him and call those that will humble their hearts and seek the Lord while he may be found, that will wait on him and acknowledge him. It gets God's attention and it releases God's intervention. You know, some people don't don't think they need prayer until they really need prayer. I know some of you got to be about my age, so you were probably in elementary school in the 70s. Now, the glorious 80s weren't yet, but back when elementary school, and the Cold War was going on. Remember that? Crazy Russians. I mean, oh, Lord, have mercy. And we're always afraid of the big one dropping, right? And sometimes they'd give us those, those, you have to go in the hallway or go into your desk. They gave you those, not a fire drill, but a big bomb dropping drill, amen? As if hiding under your desk was going to save you from the big one. But anyway... And you know, about the same time is when those devils, I mean, those, those um, I, didn't mean, I meant those politicians, I mean, so they took prayer out of schools is what I was trying to say. Remember that? 
School's gone downhill since, but anyway, another sermon for another day. You can't take God out and expect God's blessing. I'm going to tell you that now. You can't have the blessing of God without God. That's all. That's all. But but in one of these schools, and I've probably written on the walls, you know, sometimes in those, those boys' rooms, they got things written on the walls. And it says something to the effect, I'm going to read it so I get it right. It says, um, their sign said, notice, in event of a nuclear attack, the federal ruling against prayer in schools will be temporarily suspended. <laughs> things change when trouble comes, don't it? Amen. Oh, I didn't need God until you needed God. Didn't want to pray until you had to pray. Oh, Lord. Number one from Lydia, this woman of God that had a glorious influence on her family and her world. She was a woman of prayer and God honors, God smiles upon. God grants greater grace and a greater measure of his presence to those that seek him consistently and properly. Somebody say amen. Amen. Secondly, she was a worshiping, a woman of worship. God honors a worshiping spirit. You see in verse 14, one of those listening was a woman by the name of Lydia. She was a worshiper of God. That's nice. Isn't that nice? A worshiper of God. That's pretty good to put on the tombstone, a worshiper of God. You know, Lydia was a professional woman. Tells us this. She was a successful businesswoman. She's financially well off. We read at the end of the chapter that her home was so big that not only she took the apostles in, it became the headquarters for the ministry there and the founding of that church. She was blessed. She, she, was, she was a woman of, of skill and entrepreneurial and all that good stuff. Yet she was still a worshiper of God. Just because you're well off doesn't mean you shouldn't be a worshiper of God. And she believed in the true and living God and she would come to worship Him. You know, some people get so blessed. They they, they get so influential. They become self-sufficient and they forget the one that gave them the power to get that wealth. They forget that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. And they forget God until they really need God. But we see from Lydia that though she was very successful and she had people working under her, she had influence, she had money, she knew she needed to worship God. She recognized the blessing didn't come out of her own skills and out of her own wits. But there was a good God that had smiled upon her and she was going to give him praise and honor that he deserves. Some forget to worship God, but not Lydia. Worship is the act of ascribing worth and worthiness. To God for who he is and what he's done and what he does for us. The Bible says, give thanks to the Lord for he is, yeah, he's good. He's good and he's holy and he's faithful and he's loving and he's kind and he's dependable and he's full of mercy and he's a healer and he's a counselor and he is a, give thanks to the Lord. For all the wonderful things that he has done and that he does. He does each and every day. And we wake up and we got breath in our lungs and we got a song in our heart and we got sanity in our minds. Because God's been good. Can you say amen? Amen. Sincere, pure worship and praise. That's the expression of our love and honor and gratitude to the Lord. God sends his only son to die. And take the punishment for our sins. Doesn't he deserve our praise? Doesn't he deserve our worship? Oh, sure. And that worship, the Bible says, it's kind of like a beautiful fragrance. It ascends to the throne. 
it blesses God and attracts God in a very special way. God is attracted to a worshiping spirit. It pleases God. It moves the heart of God. We see that Lydia met to worship the true and living God. How does it say a little earlier? It it say um, they would minister to the Lord. She came to worship or minister to the Lord, and God turned it around and ministered to her. It's a wonderful story. Here she is. She worships the Lord and God. And being moved by that and being blessed by that, God sends his servant with the word of eternal life. You know, you need a word from God? Then worship him. You need some divine direction? Just stop everything and begin to praise the Lord. And honor the Lord. Just exalt the Lord. Amen. You need a blessing? Then listen, listen. First, start out by worshiping. Enter those gates with thanksgiving. Enter those courts with praise. It gets God's attention. It stirs God's affection. It moves God into action. But he draws near and he inhabits the praises of his people. If you want more of God's presence in your home, you want more of God's presence in your relationship, start worshiping God. Make worship something you do continually. Let the praise music fill your home. It sure beats a lot of other stuff that can fill a home. Come on, say amen. amen. And know that the Bible teaches God. There's different measures of the presence of God. You know that. Come on, you know that. Amen. I, 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 didn't use, I didn't write down this illustration, but I like to use it from time to time. You know, some guys, when you work out in construction or you work security and you're working in a factory, um, the fragrance isn't always the best when you're working with stinky men. Amen? <laughs> you know that. Amen? I remember working security in one church, my first church. I had, a, I had to work about 20 hours a week. You know, a small church. We were getting it on its feet and, you know, building this church. I'd wave it in trucks at a uh, Chrysler plant, you know, and I'd be walking security, doing all that stuff. And, you know, you just round stinky men all day. But every now and again, one of the salespeople would come in to sell something. It would be a lady. Oh, what a difference. When a nicely perfumed female walks in after you've been stuck with all those smelly men for, you know, eight hours a day, day after day. You know what I mean? And you can really tell the difference in the fragrance. Isn't that right? With some, you want to get that little, that pine thing and just give them all a pine thing. You know, you hold, put it around your neck. But then when a, when a nice fragrance comes in, oh, that's kind of nice. That smells pretty. Oh, that's good. God hears some of y'all cursing his name. I'll hear some of y'all disregarding his name and his stenches. But then he hears some of you loving him, praising him, honoring him. He says, that's wonderful. Oh, I like that. Oh, God says, that's attractive. How, oh, do you hear that? Oh, I can sense that. That attracts me. That draws me. I want to get close to them. Worship. Attracts the presence of God. Mm. If you want to enjoy a greater measure of God's presence and God's attention and God's smile and God's intimacy, then practice praise. Be a worshiper. He inhabits such lives. He accepts gladly such offerings. He commends such sacrifices. That's the fragrance that attracts the presence of God. We think of that gospel story of Mary of Bethany. When she poured out that costly perfume upon Jesus, remember that? She poured out that perfume and it was a beautiful act, a memorial act of worship and devotion. Jesus said that. And though some of the people don't understand, so people don't get it. But Jesus got it. And Jesus responded by commending her 
and defending her and accepting her and blessing her, oh friend, in the Spirit of the Lord still calls you and I that love him and know him to be worshipers. Psalm 95, come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel in honor and praise the Lord our God, our maker, for he is our God and we're his people and he's worthy of our praise. Somebody say amen. We're learning from Lydia, this woman of faith, this mother of faith, Certain things that increase the presence of God and increase our influence for God. You want to have a greater influence on your family. You want to have a greater influence on those around you. Be a woman of prayer. Be a woman of praise and worship. We see number three, God honors a receptive, welcoming spirit. Verse 14. And one of those listening, draw underline, listening, was a woman named Lydia. That word means to listen attentively. It means to perk up and pay attention. To listen with an ear that wants to hear and wants to learn. It gives attention. She was hungry to learn about the living God. She was hungry to receive words that would help her to grow and transform her life. You know, Jesus said, He that has an ear to hear, let them Faith comes by. So your faith is always going to be small if you don't have a hearing ear. Or you'll have faith in the wrong thing. It depends on what you're hearing. Watch what you're listening to. It will create faith in you. Just ask the psychiatrist. They're dealing with people day in and day out that have issues. Why? Because they listen to some wrong things. But now those wrong things, they started to believe those things. And it's messed them up. That's why when you come to Jesus, learn that the past is the past. Get it under the blood. Pick up the Bible and let that Bible talk to you. Let that Bible wash you. Let the word of God minister fresh grace to your mind and your psyche and your emotions. Glory be to God. Let it ear to hear. Hearing is important. You don't know what you might be missing if you don't have a hearing ear, an ear that wants to learn, an ear that come, come with an intention that feed me. I want to learn. I want to hear what God's saying. I want to grow. A hearing here in a receptive heart. You don't know what you're missing if you don't approach the word of God and you don't approach the things of God with a hearing ear, an open heart. That story of that very wealthy old man that's starting to lose his hearing. That's not unfamiliar. Huh? Older guy's losing some hearing. But this guy was loaded. He had a lot of money. When he got a lot of money, you can, you know, you, you can get some things that others maybe can't get. So he went to his doctor, and he was able to purchase a state-of-the-art new hearing gig, gizmo. A hearing, you know, new technology. A hearing aid. This thing was, you know, something from NASA. You know what I mean? And um, so it not only corrected his hearing, it enabled him to hear better than he ever heard in his entire life. So about a week or two later, he went back for his follow-up, and the doctor said, well, Mr. So-and-so, um, your family's got to be pretty excited now that you can hear and you know, enter in and so on and so forth. And the grandfather said, well, I'll tell you the truth, Doc, I haven't even told him about the new hearing aids. He goes, I just sit around listening all the time. In fact, I've changed my will twice. Amen. You see, 
If you don't have a hearing ear, you don't know what you're missing. You don't have a hearing ear, you don't know that Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you. And he's the only way to salvation. You won't get to heaven just because of something that you did a long time ago or because mama's going to heaven. you only get to heaven if you come to Jesus and you receive the love of Jesus and you wrap your arms and say, Lord Jesus, I receive you, I believe you, I want to serve you. Oh, but if you'll do that, if you'll hear the good news and respond, you too can know heaven is your home and Jesus is your Lord and new life, abundant life, wonderful life will begin as you serve the Lord. How can they believe if they don't don't hear? And a lot of times we make the choice, will I hear? When God comes and we are in God's presence, let us not miss his message. Let's not be deaf to what God is saying to us. God wants us to hear so we can receive, so we can believe and embrace the blessing that he has. Receiving from God begins with the attitude, the approach that says, Lord, speak to me. Lord, I'm hungry. Lord, I want to learn more about your word. I want to learn more about your ways. I want to hear what you're saying to me. Amen? Now, Jesus taught that parable of the sower and the seed, and he gave about four different types of hearts and how people respond to the word. And there was the hard heart, the calloused heart, the crowded heart, etc., the shallow heart. But the last one was the receptive heart. The, the heart that really, that word gave a harvest, that word really produced wonderful things, was the heart that received and embraced the word, that responded to the word, that, that um persevered, trusting the word. And Jesus said, that's the one that sees growth. That's the one that receives blessing. You know, <laughs> you know my, my dad always, you know, he, he look at me, he says, son, in one ear and out the other when I talk to you, honey, in one ear and out the other. And a lot of times it was true, you know. After a while, sometimes you get old Italian dad, they yell about everything. So after a while, you just have a little switch and they yell, it goes in one ear and out the other, amen? And so, you know, <laughs> he'd tell me something, it's like he didn't tell me. He could be yelling, I didn't hear it because, you know, you, you just learn when, you, when you're around a bunch of yellers. Um, but but I, I don't want the word of God to go in one ear and out the other. When it comes to doing my devotions, when it comes to being alert to the Holy Spirit throughout my day, when it comes to coming to church or Sunday school, I want to say, Lord, I've got an ear to hear. Speak to me. And when that word comes, I want to embrace it. Amen? I want to hold on to that word and believe that word so that word can work. You see, God produces through his word. In the beginning, void, chaotic, and God spoke and the worlds came into order. You want to get some order in your life? Anyone dealing with chaos? It'll come through hearing and receiving the word of the Lord. Jesus many times just spoke and they were whole. There's power in the word of God. But in order for that word to really work in us, because we have a free will, we have to receive that word and embrace that word and respond to that word. Lydia gave God an ear to hear and God opened her heart that she could receive. What a beautiful thing. And we'll just say, Lord, here I am, speak to me. God will give us that grace to embrace that word and to believe that word and walk out that word. Aren't you glad that God opened your heart? Amen? He opened her heart after she opened her ears. And Lydia listened to the word expectantly and attentively, and God honored her. And that's how God works. 
We pray, Lord, open our hearts to hear and respond to your message. I pray that husbands and wives will hear this morning what God is speaking to you. I pray that families will hear the message God has for you. I pray that individuals, young or old, you will hear this morning what the Holy Spirit has to personally say to you. He knows us. He loves us. He's got a good and a precise word for us. Let's hear that word. Let's hear what God would have to say today to you and I so we can respond. Can you say amen? Uh, Quickly now, quickly. Number four, God honors an obedient spirit. In verse 15, they immediately get baptized. They heard the gospel. They believed the gospel. And the first thing to do, that practical expression of obedience. Amen? They receive Christ. Now, publicly, they're going to identify with Christ. That's what water baptism is. You see that immediately. She doesn't hesitate. She doesn't procrastinate. Obedience and a quick response. When God speaks to you, don't hesitate. The devil will use that to steal that seed. Don't procrastinate. The devil will use that to discourage your faith and you had faith to believe and you were ready to respond, but then you put it off and in that time the devil does something and it causes you to get distracted or give up. God honors an obedient spirit. What does the Bible say? To obey is better than sacrifice. Yeah. You see, opportunity is a visitor that we must not assume will be back tomorrow. Obedience brings the blessing. And because of Lydia's quick obedience to the word of the Lord, we see that her whole household gets saved. Her obedience gave her an influence on her workers. Those that worked around her heard the gospel. Her home became the headquarters to reach out to Europe and the entire gospel. It's where Paul and Silas made their headquarters as they built that church. But she was quick to obey and respond and partake of what God was doing. Chuck Swindle talks about the importance of our obedience and the importance of seizing the moment when God speaks to you. Don't miss your miracle. Don't miss your moment. He writes, time is short. Opportunity is knocking. Please answer it. The age-old saying is true. Four things come not back. The spoken word, the spent arrow, time that has passed, and the neglected opportunity. How many had time to receive Christ? Never did. How many had opportunities to get things in step with God and they put it off and 20 years later they never got around to it and they never fulfilled that calling or that burden or thing. And here we see an obedient spirit. The obedient spirit brings a great increase of God's presence. Not just an attentiveness, not just an awareness. Because that's how faith works. As I'm faithful in the little, God brings increase. We have to hear it in order to obey it. But it's in our obedience that we put things in motion. And when we're obeying God, that's where things grow. Faith to faith and glory to glory. Oh, yeah. Don't miss your opportunity. If God speaks to your heart, respond. If it's getting saved, don't put it off. Get saved. Give Jesus your heart. Let him begin to bless you. Get him. If it's to obey the calling that he's put on your heart, well, respond. Do what he's telling you to do. If you're in a place where you shouldn't be, don't, don't mess with it. Time is, time, life is too fragile to mess with. 
If God's speaking, you respond, whatever that is. If it's to give, give. If it's to sing, sing. If it's to change direction, change direction. But don't miss the opportunity that God lays before you. And last but not least, she, God honors a servant spirit. Someone that actually doesn't want to just receive the blessing, but be part of the blessing. Where you see this last verse here, verse 14, and then note takers, verse 40. She opens her home. She says, if you really feel that I'm sincere and I'm a real believer, come into my home. Set up headquarters. Live with me. I've got plenty of room. I'll support you. And it's beautiful. She didn't just get saved and go back living her old life. She got saved and she was so overwhelmed. She goes, now what can I do? And you know when someone really gets saved, one of the first things you want to do is reciprocate to the Lord. Lord, how can I somehow repay you? I, I want to serve you. What can I do, Lord? You've been so, I'm so overwhelmed, but you would love me and forgive me and change me. Lord, what can I do to be part of it? And we see how God honors that. God, God's heart. You know, but Jesus was a servant, wasn't he? He didn't just come to take the goodies. He came to give of himself. And how God honors that. God opened her heart and she opened her home. She opened up her hands and gave her wealth. She wanted to be part of what God was doing. She wanted to participate in what God's spirit was doing. She was so appreciative of the grace and the mercy and the love of God that she couldn't just receive it and not somehow respond to it in a practical way. And God honors a life that has a servant spirit that gets involved in doing the will of God in the earth. I want to be involved in what God is doing. I want to be involved in what God is doing. We're going to close. Let's close it like this. Lessons from Lydia. Attracting and increasing the presence of God in our lives. What a wonderful thought. What a wonderful example she gives us. Ladies, why don't you stand? I want to pray the blessing on you. And after we get done praying the blessing, we'll open the altars. And if anyone needs prayer, just wants to come and pray, we would love to pray with you. But I just want to pray the blessing. Our theme is Lydia. I want to start off, and I want you to join with me, that as God opened Lydia's heart, there might be people in your life that God needs to open their heart. Amen? You know, God can open hearts. The one that made the heart can open the heart. Amen? And he can, he can convict the heart and cleanse the heart and change the heart. So as we begin to pray, we're going to ask God, Lord, people in our lives, and use us to influence them, use us to pray them through. But Lord, please, people in our lives, they need their hearts open like Lydia. Amen? And then I'm going to go and I'm going to pray just a blessing on the, all the ladies. I'm going to pray the blessing on you. And when I give the amen, let's just sing the song one time through. And if you want special prayer, man or woman, you just come up and we're going to pray and believe. We pray, Father, I thank you so much for these precious ladies. But Lord, first thing we want to do is to bring before you our loved ones, our friends that need to come to that place of knowing you like we know you. Heavenly Father, like you open Lydia's heart, please open the hearts of our friends and our family members that have not yet come to you. Maybe they're straying and maybe they're just playing around, but they need to have their eyes open and their hearts awakened. They need to be drawn. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus, please open the hearts of those around us that need to make a fresh commitment to you, that need to make a fresh calling upon you. Open their eyes, open their hearts, and draw them into yourselves. And Father God, I want to thank you for each one of these mothers and women of faith 
We are so blessed in this church to have so many, many on fire women that pray and seek you, that serve faithfully in so many capacities. And Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, I thank you for their prayers, their love, and their ministry. Give each one of these ladies wisdom for their decisions. And Lord, I pray you to give healing for their hurts. Many of them have gone through things, and we pray, Father, pour your holy oil on every hurting heart that's here today. Father, I pray for your ladies. Let the healing power of Jesus Christ right now begin to comfort their hearts. Right now, begin to minister within them grace, healing, comfort, and rest. In the name of Jesus, give them wisdom for decisions, healing for their hurts. And may your Holy Spirit strengthen them for every task. Use these ladies to impact their world. Use these ladies to greatly influence and impact their world. Father, let your favor and your smile rest upon every faithful daughter of God. And help them and help all of us to practice the traits of Lydia. That our lives would experience a greater measure of your presence in our homes, in our cars, in our quiet places. And Father, that we would have, that these dear ladies would have a greater influence on the world around them. Now, Father, as we open the altar, let your power flow. Let your grace and comfort descend. And let lives be deeply touched by the power and working of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to each one a good word, an in-season word, a helpful word. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, let's sing this one time through. If you do need special prayer, please come.